Okay, so really, really quickly, because um, my talk is a little bit longer than it's meant to be, not meant to tell you that, but anyway. Um, please, can you just all do this for me? Okay, great. Does anybody know what this looks like? Anyone know what this is? Does it help if I do this? Okay, so this is my illustration of a pea on a fork. Okay, great. So, if, if at any point during this talk, I get nervous, or I stop, or I lose my train of thought, I'm just going to do this. Because that's going to help me find my way, and you're all going to laugh, and then it's going to be fine. Okay? Is that alright? Yeah. With me on that? Okay, great. Thanks. Okay, so today, I'm not talking about the P that's on the fork, I'm talking about the P that is patience. So love is patient, 1 Corinthians 13. It's simple, but it's so true. Showing patience is showing love, and showing love is showing Jesus. What does it look like for me when I lose my patience? When I'm in a traffic jam, I'm only thinking about myself and how I need to get to where I need to be, and I'm getting angry. When I'm the person that's waiting for somebody to turn up, and I hate it when people are late, I'm getting angry. I'm quick to anger in most situations that don't go the way that I want them to go. When I lose my patience, it's usually with the people that I spend the, mo m the most of my time with. And it's usually because I want something to happen quicker and I want it to happen now. It kind of looks a little bit like this. I don't want to scare you, but yeah. Matt, is there any chance that you can hurry up getting the kids' shoes on because I want to get out of the house? <laughs> Dad, I've been waiting for you for half an hour and I'm now late. Cece, can you move out of my way? It doesn't look great, does it? It doesn't look great when I lose my patience. It doesn't sound great. And it isn't the reflection of myself that I want to show. It's not the image of God. The image that I try so hard to portray every day in the hope that my loved one will see Jesus in me is lost. I could have been perfectly lovely to all of these people all day long. But in that one moment where I explode, in that one moment, in that one sentence, I've lost the whole day. If I cannot learn to control my tongue with the people that I love, then why should they listen to me? When I say, Jesus is the way, my words lose their value and I'm a fraud. Psalm 50, 16 says, what right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? What right have I got if I behave like that? I don't. Thankfully, I've been blessed with the desire to put things right. And I'm quick to say sorry and I ask for forgiveness. God's love helps me to put things right. And I am forgiven, but I know that it's not forgotten for those people that I speak to like that. My words and action cannot be forgotten. And I need to change that behaviour if it, if it, to stop the damage. So what does it look like when I need patience? I turn to God. Through my twenties, I wanted to be blessed with the person that I was going to marry. I met my husband when I was 24 and I married him when I was 27. I was patient, God provided, and I'm thankful. We wanted a family and I asked God to provide that. I prayed as often as I thought about it. 
and it was hard to wait. I waited while lots of my friends became pregnant and had babies. And I had it in my head that I wanted a child by the time I was 30. In February 2012, after around a year and a half, sorry, after, after about <laughs> half a year and a half, um, we'd, been wait, we'd been waiting patiently to become pregnant. My good friend Vicky told me that she was pregnant. Then in March, another friend. In April, another friend. And then in May, my best friend told me that she was pregnant. I really obviously celebrated with all these people and I was really, really happy for them, but it was really, really hard and I prayed constantly about that. June came the month of my 30th birthday. I remember praying and saying to God, I cannot handle this. I thought you would never give me a situation that I cannot handle. Well, I can't handle this. I can't handle the thought of being around all of my friends, being pregnant with babies if I'm not going to have one. I listened to my friends as they were excited about talking about the first stages of their pregnancy and I was happy for them, but I really wanted it for myself too and to be pregnant with all my friends and for us all to have babies together. Two weeks before, the 30, before my 30th birthday, we found out I was pregnant and in January 2013, Sissy was born. God's timing is perfect. It wasn't my timing, it was his timing. Everything in his time, not in ours. What does it look like when I have patience? A new friend asked me a couple of weeks ago, what is your gift? And I looked at her like this. <laughs> and she said, you have a gift. What is it? I said, I'm really good at being a great friend. So this is all my friend, oh, a lot of my friends. Um, very rarely do I lose my patience with my friend. I'm so, with my friends. I'm so blessed to have such wonderful friends and amazing friendships. They all know my heart for Jesus. They all respect it, and I am patient with their views. They are completely about. They are, they are complimentary about me because I am showing them the image of God that I was made in. With my friends, I can listen. With my friends, I forgive their irritants really, really easily. With my friends, I have all the time in the world and there is no rush. Preparing this talk has made me think about if I was more patient with my family and with my colleagues, back on that first slide there, how much more blessings would I have from them? How much more amazing would those relationships be if I was as patient with them as I am with all of my friends? This week, if you find yourself in situations when you feel yourself becoming impatient, like in the traffic, or waiting for an appointment, or someone isn't doing something fast enough for you, think about, if you were patient at that point, what blessings might arise? When you start to feel patience wearing thin, instead of stressing, start blessing. Come on! <laughs> I'm going to post some bits out on the G2 uh, Facebook pages this week to encourage you all to try and be patient more this week. Um, and I'm going to post what things I'm doing as well as the week's going on. And I'm hoping that if any of you find that in situations that you have a little bit more patience and gain blessings, you can share that with us on the site. That'd be great. Thank you. Okay, so in James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
And in the message version of the Bible, so it's just the same Bible, but written in really up-to-date modern terms, and it says, get down on your knees before the Master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Okay, so we all know who C.S. Lewis is. He's the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia stories. Now, he also wrote another book um, called Mere Christianity, and it's a really good book, but unfortunately it doesn't feature a talking lion, so it's yet to be made to a motion picture. Um, but in this book, C.S. Lewis says, the essential vice, he says the pride is the essential vice, is the utmost evil. And he also says that pride leads to every other vice, it's the complete anti-God state of mind. So what C.S. Lewis is saying here, he's saying that pride isn't just when you're feeling a bit full of yourself, but it's actually every time you turn away from God, every time you think you know better than God, every time you try to do things, your way instead of God's way. And this, is, um, this happens throughout the Bible. So right from the beginning, Adam and Eve are the first people, and God says to them, guys, it's great, do whatever you want, just do the wrong thing, right? just don't eat the fruit off that tree. And they go, great idea, God, I'm just going to go ahead and eat the fruit off that tree. Or uh, a bit later on in the Bible, in Exodus, um, the people of Israel, so they've just been rescued in literally the most amazing, miraculous way from slavery in Egypt. They forgive the Ten Commandments, and Commandment number one says, worship, don't worship anything other than God. And they go, just going to get a bed, it's going to come. And it just makes me laugh. But my favourite of these stories has definitely got to be um, the story of the Tower of Babel. And it, it makes me feel because these guys literally thought they could build a tower that was tall enough to reach heaven. Um, and this is like 5,000 years ago, so just to put that into perspective for you. Um, this is a picture of um, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, this is what's building in the world. And then there's the Empire State Building. And go to the next slide, please. And there is the Tower of Babel. <laughs> and that's what they thought was going to reach heaven. But as much as we laugh, I find that in my life, sometimes I can build my own tower. But I guess for me, we call it a tower of Babel. We call it a tower of Reading. So every time I obsess over how many Facebook or Instagram likes I get, that's me building up my tower. Every time I tell a joke at somebody else's expense, that's me building up my tower. Every time I care more about what other people think, instead of what God thinks about me, that's me building up my tower. Basically, any time I do things my way, instead of God's way, that's me building up my tower. Now that verse again says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So we try and humble ourselves, but often this just turns out to be just a false humility. Now I think as English people, we're very good at false humility, but I say we're good at kind of okay-ish, I guess. Um, but an example of this, I have, God has given me a gift of encouragement. So if someone comes up to me and they say, hey, you're really good at encouraging people, I love the way God uses this gift in you. And I go, oh, I didn't say that's special. Actually, I'm disrespecting that person who said that to me. I'm disrespecting myself. I'm disrespecting God who's given me the gift in the first place. The opposite of uh, pride isn't false humility. And it's also not um, self-deprecation. Sometimes people in our lives can make us feel like, like we're not worth it, like we're not special, like we're not loved. But that's just not true. That's just a lie. And it's not what God thinks. Or in my case, I can go a bit the other way. So sometimes I can't think a bit too foot highly of myself. So to kind of combat this, I got myself in the habit of, um, I just kind of insult myself. Um, um, it was nothing serious, I wouldn't go home and cry or anything like that, but I just say, oh, you're such an idiot, and you're so embarrassing. And I just find myself just saying bad things about myself. And after work, I start to sink in. Now, I'm definitely not an expert on this. Um, pride is still something I struggle with. But here are a couple of things that have been helpful for me. So number one, speak God's truth over yourself. Like I just said, I got into the habit of insulting myself, but what I found really helpful, I just speak the Lord's truth over me. So I'd say, ah, oh, you're such an idiot, but God loves you. And you're so embarrassing, but God loves you. Make sure the last word I speak of myself is always God's truth. Make sure that I remind myself that, yes, I'm an imperfect person, but I'm loved by a perfect God. And the second example is, um, every time I enter an ego-boosting situation, I make sure I pray and give it to God. 
So with my job with students, sometimes I can put on events and stuff like that, and if it goes well, I just start saying, oh, look what I've done. Or even something small as just going on a night out or um, going to a party where there's never going to be lots of my friends there, I can start to think, look how many friends I have. But if at the right before the event, I'll pray, I'll say, God, take this event for yourself, take this party for yourself, take it for your glory, and not for mine. And right from the beginning, I'm opening myself to be used by God, just remind myself, it's not about me, it's not about my glory, but it's about God. And the third example, really simple, but just um, look at Jesus, look at the way he lived. He was a humble man, everyone would agree that, but the way he, he does humility isn't necessarily what you think it's going to be. So I've got a couple of things for you guys to discuss on your tables. Number one, um, what ways do you build your own tower of you? What things uh, help you build up your tower? What's, the la- what's your last word over yourself? What truths do you need to remind yourself of? And finally, what situations do you need to remind after yours, after God's glory, not yours? Thank you. Um, so, in praying and um, preparing for today, I wanted to share something about what I've been learning about praying and sharing about Jesus with our friends and how those two things can work together. Um, it's partly because it's exciting for me, but also because it's something that I'm still figuring out as a challenge I'm still like, getting to grips with, um, and it's great to be able to talk about that in front of all of you. God's been speaking to me a lot about being in continual conversation with him, um, about constantly listening to him, and not just for me, but for the people around me, for friends who don't know him and so can't do that for themselves. In Ephesians 6, Paul reminds the Ephesians that there's more to this life than, than what we see, that there's a spiritual battle going on as well, um, and that we have truth, we have righteousness, we've got the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and his spirit, his word, to put on his protection. But then afterwards, after telling us to put on all of his armour, he says this, And pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. What really challenges me is this idea of praying on all occasions. Whenever someone says, pray continue, pray all the time, I'm just a bit confused and a bit overwhelmed. Like, how are you meant to have a constant conversation with God and yet still be engaged in what's going on around you? How are you meant to remember that God's going to speak to you and through you all the time? Um, for my friend, this is the, like, people um, <laughs> remember praying. She's decided that every time she goes to the toilet, she's going to pray and ask God what he wants to say to her. Um, for me, it's a little bit different. Um, so I um, challenge myself to make sure I'm spending time with God every day Um, this is a very pretty picture my housemates will tell you that I'm never this (laughs) organised but I try and spend like 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour a day in my room put on some worship music, get out my bible and just try and spend that time with God listening to what he's saying but then also throughout the day taking the time to ask God, what are you doing, what are you saying, um, and how can I get involved. Um, and I found it really helpful during chats with my friends, trying to step back um, and ask God, what do you want to say to these people, what would your advice be, what would you do? It's the idea that 
that Paul says in the passage I just read from Ephesians, that the words may be given, his words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. And for me, that's a real encouragement that words are going to be, that words can be given to me, that it doesn't need to come from me, that I don't need to have all the answers. Um, and it makes so much sense, doesn't it, that when we wanted to talk to our friends about Jesus, when we wanted to share something about that, that we actually ask him what he's wanting to say to them rather than just make it up ourselves. Um, it, yeah, so I found that really encouraging. And when Paul says pray in the spirit, it, it reminds me that we don't even need to know how to pray. Um, and like in Romans 8, Paul says that, um, that we don't even need to know what we ought to pray for. Um, and that the Spirit intercedes for us, that he helps us in our weaknesses. So let alone knowing what to say to people, we don't even need to know how to pray, because God's there supporting us in that. Um, I'm going to share a few of the things that this has looked like for me. It won't look the same for everyone, but this is some of the stuff I've tried. Um, so I've been committing to pray for like, a particular group of family and close friends, that they'll, um, that they'll come to know Jesus, but not just praying that they will, but that I can be part of that, that I can have opportunities to chat with them about it. Um, it's like dropping prayer of Jesus into conversation, so saying that I've been praying for someone, or asking if I can pray for them, or just mentioning, oh, I prayed yesterday. Um, it looked like writing Valentine's Day cards to my first year housemates, and as I was writing them, asking, um, for prophetic words, so asking God what he was wanting to say to them and writing that out so that they could know something of who they were in God's eyes even though they don't know him themselves. Um, before uni, it looked like going onto the streets of my of the town where I lived and asking God who he wanted to speak to that day and going up to them and praying for them. And then last summer, it looked like turning up at Manchester Airport, three fresher girls being sent to Eindhoven for 48 hours and praying for, for students at a national volleyball tournament. I'm not saying all of you are going to end up doing that, <laughs> but um, there's so many ways that this could look. So, yeah, I just wanted to encourage us to think about it because what I've been learning through it is that it's making me more aware of who God is and of how he's with us all the time, but also it's making me more open about that with other people and um, wanting, yeah, I'm with them about the relationship that he's wanting to have with them as well. So, um, if the band would like to come up, um, I was going to ask you, on, your, on the tables, I've got a copy of the verse that's on the screen. And seeing as we've been talking about prayer, um, I thought it would be good if in twos and threes on our table we can pray that verse over one another. Um, so for some of you, you're going to be used to praying, other people you might not have prayed before. I encourage you to give it a go because the words are there, um, so you can speak them out, but if that's something that you're not comfortable doing, that's comfortable doing, that's what's going to be fine. Um, but the band are going to start playing um, and we're going to play that over.